Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get to sit down and have a conversation with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. Uh, we're glad that y'all are joining us today. Um, the The podcast we did last time was a lot of fun. We just wanted to come right back at it. Um, Pastor Eric, tell us about how you're doing today. I'm good. I'm good. I hope you are, Will. I, I'm great. Um, so it's it's not too early in the morning, and we're... <laughs> we're it, it, it would be helpful for our, our audience to know that we were we recorded one of these of this version, and there was so much uh, background noise and craziness in my head having difficulty pulling thoughts together that we're having to redo this one so this is a second take at that same topic yeah and i haven't heard any construction so i think we're looking good right i think now. so i think so um so for everyone listening we are continuing our series of false gospels uh, more specifically the false gospel we commonly see and come across in auburn um, in this series last week uh, we started it we went over the false gospel of be good and you'll be saved um, so if you haven't listened to that one yet, uh, I would definitely advise you to go back and listen to it. Uh, in that podcast, Pastor Eric talked about what a false gospel is, what the true gospel of Jesus Christ is, and why it is so important to discern false gospels. Mm. Um, and that'll be important when listening today. Um, but if you have listened to that, thank you for joining us. Um, and for this podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, the my Christian experience is my salvation gospel. So, Pastor Eric, can you elaborate more on this false gospel? Sure, yeah. I want to talk about it from two different angles. Um, but when we talk about my Christian experience is my salvation, I think for those of those who've grown up in the church, they might think about it as uh, the day that they walk down the aisle or the day they remember um, uh, joining the church or something like that. It could be that. For those who didn't grow up in the church but maybe went to a Christian camp or something like that, they might kind of think of it or remember it as a mountaintop experience, kind of a camp high experience. And uh, so many of us have experiences where you come back from a camp having um, having experienced either good teaching from the Word of God or uh, maybe it's just conviction of sin. But quite often that's not the same as uh, coming to taste Christ, and those are really different. And so when we talk about uh, a false gospel that people often have uh, in the South and maybe especially in Auburn, the fact of my Christian experience being my salvation tends to lead people in one of two directions. For some, it leads them to, to overconfidence in some past experience. To others uh, who, who don't have a, what they might think of as a uh, a radical Christian experience or even a conversion of some sort, they might be left feeling, well, I don't even know if I have an assurance of my salvation because I don't have the same radical story that someone else has. And so I think part of this is just to simply begin with with the point that my salvation is not um, first and foremost deeply rooted in how I felt at a particular moment um, or even how I feel today. We don't want to take our feelings as the only snapshot for how we determine what God's done and is doing in our lives. So, Yeah, and to kind of go off of that, we talked last week a little about a marriage um, mm. analogy. Yeah. And to fit that in here, 
Um, we can't judge our marriages based on how we feel at the moment. That's right. Um, yeah. Whether we're feeling super good about it, you know, we feel so in love with our spouse, um, or whether we aren't feeling that love towards our spouse at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, to rely that's solely right. on feelings alone in that arena would not be a good thing. That's right. It wouldn't tell you everything that's going on there. That's exactly right. Good point. Why don't we begin, Will, would you would you read, I'd love for our folks to hear Matthew 13, um, just read the, the uh, parable of the sower. And I think that'll kind of set the stage for our conversation today. Yes. Um, So starting in Matthew 13, verse 1, uh, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Mm, Thank you so much. So that's verses 1 through 9 of chapter 13 in Matthew. And um, so I think the thing that's helpful to recognize is that if we if we pull back from this parable, uh, Jesus is pointing out that the seed is is sown, and that seed being the word of God. Um, obviously, the gospel that Christ preaches is pointing to Himself. So it's in in a very real sense, it's Christ uh, being sown, uh, and it would be possible for some to look and observe from the outside. Well, Christ was sown; the the seed was thrown down. Um. One of my own camp experiences took this parable and skewed it uh, to look like this. Um, primarily, who am I in the picture of this parable? Um, and have I done what it takes to grow roots? Um, that's not exactly the way that we should read this parable, right? It's it's rather a parable that, that shows us that the gospel is sown, and Christ is going to explain this in a few minutes. We'll come back to that later portion of the text. But Christ is sown, his word is sown, uh, and where that spirit causes the word to take root, then the word takes root. But we want to be really clear that we don't uh, help <clears throat> point people simply to uh, listen to this podcast and then thereby begin responding um, begin trying to go, grow some roots. We actually want to leave this podcast with people pointing, pointed to Christ. And so I think that one of the first things I want to begin with is that the concept of my Christian experience is my salvation. When I talk about those who are, um, who are taking too much confidence on that, they're looking back on a feeling or an experience that they had. Uh, and they had this experience one day, and there may be a long um, trail in their life where there is no real fruit that's produced on the tree. And so it would be it would be wrong for people to think in terms of, well, I, I do remember that experience at that camp where I, I think I did um, make a commitment to follow the Lord. Um, and so their confidence then becomes rooted in not only their commitment, but really even their memory of that commitment, right? And uh, so 
if if uh, most people are like me, maybe our memory isn't always as accurate as as um, it should be. And so you might look back and take overconfidence. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I remember feeling that the Lord really moved in my heart that day. And I really remember feeling um, that I was changed and I was different. Uh, that certainly can happen. Right. But the but the anchor of hope for us and the certainty that we have is not rooted in what I had by way of that experience. It's really meant to be rooted in did i come to know christ uh and and if not then i may not actually have salvation right and kind of going back to the parable of sower we see that there is that change right at the beginning right that it sprouts up mm. real fast and um, that second seed that's uh planted on rocky soil but then when the sun comes um that yeah. change is obliterated that it withers mm. away um, and right. it just can't simply can't stand and, and well, I think that's such a good point because because if we're using our own eyes to observe, then um, the heart of it will always be oh yeah, yeah there, there was there was something there, uh, and we'll look back on that. But Jesus seems to uh, make more of an issue of whether or not roots took hold, uh, and then in that good soil, grain was produced. And when you know when Jesus speaks with these. Um, with these illustrations that are fitting for an agrarian society. I mean, he, he's talking about grain being produced and other places he talks about fruit on trees, you know? So um, there seems to be an important aspect of that. So I would want to encourage people that it's not actually how you felt um, in the past that determines whether you, you have salvation. Kevin DeYoung uh, is applying this in a worship, in a sermon on worship. Um, it's actually a, a, a sermon on on the holiness of God, and, and he speaks, he says this, he says, worship is not measured by how you feel, but in how God feels or thinks about your worship. Um, and, I, and I say that simply because it is not, not just worship, but it's the whole tone of our hearts to determine how we're doing with the Lord, back to our marriage illustration, how I'm doing with the Lord based on how I feel, right? And so the danger of that is um, my heart will give myself an abundance of credit for good motives where I may not actually have any. Uh, more than that, my heart is is uh, prone to devalue or um, minimize the, the significance of my sin. And my sin may be telling me quite a bit about the condition of my heart, right? Or even the desires of my heart would tell me something about that. So anyway, that's that's the first one. I think that's important to, to deal with. Um, so for those who are taking an abundance of uh, of comfort in that, it would be helpful to say, remember very clearly your Christian experience is not your salvation. Do you want to interject anything at this point? Yeah, I was just going to interject um, a couple paragraphs from the parable of the sower. Excellent. Jesus actually explains it, and so I kind of want to just say what he says about the second seed. Thank you. He says in verse 20, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in, him, in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Um, and I just think that's a um, that explanation fits right in because it really highlights the has no root. Mm. Um, and when tribulation, and I also I, I like it when it says when tribulation or persecution arises. Yeah. You know, as Christians, we are called to suffer with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not if tribulation or persecution arises, it's when. When, and it will. Yeah. And it will. Um, That's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and I think, you know, you notice in verse 21, he says, yet he has no root in himself. 
Um, and what's so important about that is the roots are actually grown by Christ. So in his comment about this person, there's actually no roots in and of himself. They do not flow from this man. So all the roots that we actually would possess by virtue of taking the Word of God and Christ implanted in us would be roots grown by Christ in his spirit, not by our own in ourselves having that. So it's that phrase, you, you comment about when they come, they're going to come, but it's that in himself um, that tells us whether it's going to stand or not. My Christian experience often is the in himself phrase, like how, how am I doing? How did I grow roots? What do I have to show for it? Um, I wouldn't want our people to be um, overly confident about a past experience, but at the same time, we want to we want to shift gears because anytime I'm preaching, I'm aware there's people who are um, who might be um, overly comfortable, but there might be others who are overly afflicted. And so I would want to speak uh, very clear clearly to those as well. Some people might ask the question, okay, what's wrong with me if I don't feel something of a past experience? And so I would want to talk about those who've grown up in the church. Uh, the ordinary way in which children grow up in the church uh, is that they're, they are taught the substance of the gospel. They should be taught Christ. And so uh, in certainly in the context of a, of a Reformed church, we're not actually looking for a radical conversion moment for our children. We're looking to see, are they continuing to embrace Christ more and more and more in ways that are consistent with where they are and what they know and, and uh, what they understand? Um, and so for children who are now you know, in college and they look back, well, I grew up in the church and, uh, and yet you know, I think I walk with the Lord. I just, don't, I just don't have a moment where I can remember taking uh, a, a big leap of faith, walking down an aisle or having a mountaintop church experience or a Christian high of some sort, um, I would not. I would want to comfort them and go, let's be really clear. You don't have to have that in order to have genuine salvation. Genuine salvation is, am I looking to Christ? Is he the substance of what I care about? Um, oftentimes when I'm teaching the inquirers class, I'll, I'll explain to people, <clears throat> and I use this with regards to the way why we preach the way we preach, just this systematic expository preaching. We're going to go through the Word, um, and that's because it produces an, a long-term growth, which is very much like spiritual growth. Um, so my, you know, every, everybody who's ever had kids watches as their children grow, but you can't actually tell when and how it happened. You, you, you give them food, you give them uh, fluids, you, you give them good places to sleep, <clears throat> and yet it's not that they um, grow overnight and you go, wow, you just became 6'3", and how'd you become 230 pounds? This is crazy. What happens is that over the course of time that that child grows. And and really for, for believers who are looking back going, well, I don't remember my big Christian experience, the heart of what you want to look at is, have I seen a pattern of growth over the course of my life? Um, and yet we can't take that pattern of growth and simply go, okay, here's a snapshot of how I'm doing at this moment. Uh, I might be doing great today and horrible tomorrow um, or vice versa. And we don't want to take that as our, um, as our 
litmus test for how we're doing entirely. So to those who would say, well, what's wrong with me if I don't feel something? If I don't, what if I don't even come to worship and have a, a radical feeling tingling up and down my spine? Um, again, it is not, that's not the measure of it because God is doing a work and growing roots in you. The question to be asking is, am I looking at Christ with the whole of my heart? And am I, am I valuing Christ? And am I, is my direction, the direction of my gaze towards him for my salvation? Um, and that's really the heart of it. You had a Luther quote that I just thought was so helpful. Would you it's, mention that? Here? Um, it says, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is in the word of God. Not else is worth believing. Hmm. And my warrant is in the word of God. Um, my warrant for all the hope that I might have is in the word of God, which professes that Christ is um, my salvation. So it's not Christian experience. It's actually the Lord Jesus Christ. And and Luther, of course, had been flogging himself for years, hoping to hoping to be more um, more godlike, uh, more godly, more holy. Um, and yet he found that he began to hate the righteous God who judges sin. And so when he can say that later on after his true and real conversion, he can say, I actually don't find hope for myself except for in the word of the gospel and Christ and him crucified. So do you have any closing comments that you would mention, Will? I was just going to mention one thing, um, kind of talking about both of them. Um, I think it's cool I've when I read a lot of books, but when I really get into reading, one of my favorite authors is C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. And you would think with a guy with such a, a passive atheism, you would think there'd be some huge mountaintop experience. Mm. Um, but the way he actually characterizes his own um, salvation is he would say emotional is perhaps the last word we can apply here. He said it is more like when a man, after a long sleep, still lying motionless in bed, becomes aware that he is now awake. Hmm. That's great. Isn't that great? Yeah, it, there's, a, there's an awareness uh, of being awake. I actually think that's a, isn't that a beautiful way to describe what true conversion is. And so I think that leaves us that leaves us in a really good place um, for those who would would in the past have looked at their Christian experience and given extraordinary value to it and said, well, yeah, because I remember the big mountaintop experience I had. I don't have any fruit since then, but I do remember that. Um, oftentimes, you know, what your uh, where your mind is focused today will tell you something about what to make of that mountaintop experience, right? Um, not always, but sometimes, and so. Likewise, we want uh, those who are who are going. Well, I don't know if I feel anything. To be left with the an absolute assur- the assurance that the same thing that Luther is talking about, the same thing that C.S. Lewis is talking about, the same thing that Kevin DeYoung mentions as well, and that is um, that our feelings don't determine our salvation. Our salvation is determined by Christ alone. Am I found in? Christ. And that's it. Christ is the only hope for our salvation. And so it, it must be the substance of everything that we preach, everything that we uh, strive towards, everything that we long for. Uh, Jesus must become bigger and bigger and bigger in our seeing, in our eyes, right? I always love the way Jesus concludes his parables when he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Um, I think that's a great place to close. That's so good. Thank you, Pastor Zeller. Yeah, thanks, Will. Thank you for listening.